0: I don't know if I say it properly in English. Anybody knows the stinging
1: needles?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now I don't know how much you know about them. But the books talk highly about that plant, you know, that is excellent for your blood, it's excellent for your kidneys, it's excellent for your heart. It eliminates water that is too much water in the body. You don't need to take pills if you have water and your body doesn't, you know, you drink a little tea of stinging needles and that's it, the water goes away. It's absolutely amazing. Well, my first experience, I was six, I went to grandpa and uh, you touch them, you are in trouble, big trouble, big trouble. But if you chop them and put salt and leave it alone 10 minutes, Hawaiian salt. (laughs) and then if you put some lemon and leave it another 5 minutes and then mix it well and then you put olive oil a little you can eat them they will not touch you there is no stinging needles anymore and you do that for a few days your cholesterol goes down everything is just amazing try it if you die let me know I will preach for your funeral (laughs) My very first experience was I was playing with my kids, my kids, my friends. I was six. And I hid behind my grandfather's house. And he had a whole garden of stinging needles. <laughs> and I fell off the house in the stinging needles. And I was in a swimming suit. Oh. Can you believe how I was all over my body? And my mom looked and shook her head and she said, You will never be sick. <laughs> <clears throat> they say that if you get them you don't even you'd never get arthritis. I don't know if that's real, but I don't have arthritis, you know. So <laughs> I wanted to mention people go easily into extremes and I am glad I don't know you so you know that I don't talk about you. And some people do only spiritual stuff never work and some people only work but never pray and never study you follow me God created us to do all these things together and that's in the commandments six days you shall and it happens that God gave Adam to work what the garden am I right and seventh you should rest Now, some people, they are so holy that they rest every day. They never work. (laughs) (laughs) But I prefer to follow God's command and work six days. In fact, I I work all seven. In fact, I don't know how people can stand still because even if I don't have work, I find work. I cannot stand still for a second. It's the greatest punishment to keep me still. And so, first time when I wanted to have a garden, I planted carrot seeds half meter under the ground. <laughs> Nothing came. <laughs> I mean, not even potatoes, and you don't dig them so deep, you know. But then my wife and I uh, went to Norway. Anybody knows European Bible School in Scottsdale, Norway? It's a self-supporting school. My wife and I spent nine months and a half there. And uh, we took healthy lifestyle and organic agriculture and we got certified in organic agriculture. Now, I I cannot say much about agriculture because you are all professionals and whatever I say, you already know that. It's like singing for the choir. It doesn't make a lot of sense to teach you agriculture because I need to learn from you. And I thought the best way to share your experience is to come and help me plant my garden. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> in... Uh, Norway, uh, before Norway, my father taught me that every single child, if you really care for your children, if you really love your children, you give them the gift of work. And he always said, children and adults, when they do nothing, they do stupid stuff. When they do something, they behave. And so my father taught me that you don't need to pay anybody to fix the roof, we do it together. And we got, my father and I, together on the roof, and he would tell me stories, and it was fun because of the stories, and we fixed the roof. And I was about nine, ten when I learned how to fix a roof. And then my father taught me that you you, you don't call a mechanic to fix your motorcycle, you do it together. So when I took my father's motorcycle when he was not home, and I had an accident and I ruined it, he said, okay, that's my gift for you, but now you've got to fix it. (laughs) And so my father had me, it took two years, had me work with him, buy parts, and then Fixed the bike until the bike was new. And when the bike was new, he took it all apart and had me fix it all again together. So he said, you need to know to do it with your eyes closed. So I knew how to put the transmission and the engine and everything together, take it off, put it back, my eyes closed. And later, I would not have anybody fix my car. So I would go buy a car from Germany, a broken car for 100 Deutschmark. it was in that time, fix it and sell it for five, 6,000. <laughs> and I was only about 18, 19, you know, I mean, just... I learned how to fix cars and after that I learned how to build a house and that, I could go on and on. But that's wonderful. You don't have to pay somebody to fix your plumbing, you do it. Am I right? Because you are kind of quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and my kids, they do electricity and plumbing and construction and fixing cars. They can build, rebuild an engine or anything. Anything. We don't pay anybody to do labor, we do it. So, saying that, wasn't that what God gave us? How does it help if you go to church and you keep Sabbath and you eat clean and you know all the doctrines, the state of the dead and the 2300 days, you remember? How does it help if you don't have a connection with the creation? How does it help? How can you know God? From theory, how can you have the doctrines of the God without the God of the doctrines? And so, we always looked, I strongly believe, in the spirit of prophecy. And it is so clear and so serious, the warnings, if you want to save your family, you need to get outside the city and you need to have a garden. And uh, she says, several times, pages and pages, I have them in my computer. Several times God has been showing to me to tell our people to get out of the city. If Israel would have got out of Jerusalem, they would have been saved. Those that didn't live got killed. And then she says, if Lot would have built his house, like Abraham, outside the city. He would have saved his family, but he lost his family. And she goes on and on and on and on. And then she says, she gives you times, if you watch carefully, when should you leave the big cities? Mm -hmm. You you remember the paragraphs? Talking about economical crisis. When should you leave the smaller cities? Talking about Sunday law, you remember? And when should you really run to the mountains? Talking about the death decree, you remember? I, I'm not going to go in these details. You should read for yourself. But, I mean, it doesn't help if I, if I start reading for you. You all go to sleep. <laughs> but she's very clear. We just need to have that passion to daily study. And not only read a lot and get nothing. Rather, read a little and get a lot. You follow me? Mm-hmm. I could explain later during this weekend how I personally do the studying probably you will benefit from it. If I forget, remind me. I have great memory, I just forget, you know. (laughs) 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 But remind me and I will explain how I do the studying. You may actually... Does it ever happen to you to read and then you don't know what you read? Well, not anymore for me. I'm going to tell you how, and I mean it. In fact, It is the greatest blessing, among the greatest blessings I've experienced in my life. It's unbelievable. It's a little work, but it's going to change your life. And so going back, she wants us to have gardens. She wants us that there will be an economical crisis. You remember? She talks about the time when we will not be able to buy and to sell. Do you still believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is at the door? He's not coming soon. He's at the door. You just look around and you know. If you believe that, then we should all learn not to depend on the store, but depend on our garden. Learn to can. You remember what can means? To can, you know. Yeah, we do that. In fact, I'm going to give you a nice story. A real story. One time, at a certain church, one of my churches, we, we, we had a Gigantic garden. My wife and I had a garden as big as two soccer fields. <laughs> Gigantic garden. And my wife said, honey, we can never eat so much. And I said, yeah, honey, but the others do. <laughs> and so we worked a garden and we got so many tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers and everything, you name it, you say it and we had it. So many that you cannot use, and so we ate and we canned and we gave to the church every Sabbath. We take boxes with tomatoes and cucumbers. People have, and we gave to the neighbors, and we kept giving, and we still had too much. So what I thought, I said, this is this is inspired. This is from heaven. I invited church members over, and purchased from Walmart those one-dollar plastic things that you cover for rain. You must know a little about rain here in this area. <laughs> it rains only once a year and it lasts 10 months, you know. <laughs> it's like in Chicago, the wind blows twice a year, six months from the east and six from the west, you know. Only twice. And so you should know a little about rain. So I bought those plastic things, $1 or $2 for rain, and then I gave everybody a bucket of tomatoes. And I said, the rule is that you hit from here down. And they looked at me, Pastor, what are you talking about? I said, this is what I'm talking about. And hit the head elder. With a tomato. (laughs) And the kids caught it. So the kids hit him. So he got angry and he hit me back. And the kids, oh, we can beat the pastor. And they started to hit me back. And we started a tomato fight. It was the greatest in the history of the Seventh-day Adventist church. (laughs) Let me tell you the good news. 1,000 sermons would have not united the church as good as a tomato fight. (laughs) Please trust me, I tell you the truth. After a tomato fight they stopped fighting in the church. <laughs> People learned that they can love each other just by playing together. It does more than Sabbath meeting. I'm not saying that Sabbath meetings are not good. You, you need to understand what I'm saying, actually. I'm saying that unless we have other activities together, it's not enough. It takes sacrifice, but it bears results. And so, let's try to somehow get around to the sermon. But before the sermon, I just need to do a little more introduction. (laughs) In Norway, my wife and I built seven tunnels, because they are small, and one gigantic greenhouse. And with those things, we sold them in Drammen, that is south Norway. We sold the produce. With those, we paid school. We paid to visit the whole country. And after we finished school, we still had $7,000 left over when we went home. Isn't, isn't it amazing? And we ate healthy. And we didn't pay for food. Others had to pay. We just sold it. And we gave for free a bunch of it. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Imagine if our kids, instead of finishing school with a lot of debt, would learn to do something like that. Amen. Wouldn't that be nice? But I'm not going to... That's not the subject. I want to mention that is not only don't get upset to me if you do don't invite me back i'm okay is <laughs> not only spiritual life is not only agriculture all should work together for instance giving the poor giving them food it's part of our life visiting the sick should be part of our experience shouldn't it We need to combine them together. You cannot go to a stranger and invite him or her to evangelism. Is not the way it works. That's the reason we do evangelism and nobody gets baptized. And if we baptize 20 people or five, after a month or two they leave the church and we have no retention. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you had evangelism and you baptized 21 and then three months later you had only one left over? You know what I'm talking about? Because nobody leads a stranger to Christ, but only a friend. Christ, method, alone. He won their friendship and trust, and just after that he said, "Follow me." For instance, I was in Cuba in mission trip. I love going in mission trips. I was in Cuba. A lady, you probably heard me t- telling the story on on internet. A lady would bring every night. 150 to 200 kids to evangelism. I said, what do you do? What do you tell them? And the lady said, it's not what you tell. I said, okay, what do you do? She said, it's not what you do. I said, okay, just tell me what it is. And she says, it's who you are. I said, okay, so who are you? She said, well... (laughs) She said, I cannot talk about it, you need to see. I said, oh, come on, just give me the answer. And she said, well, come tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I said, Okay. I took the pastor. Tomorrow, 2 o'clock, we went to visit her. At 2 o'clock, when we went to visit her, her house was literally from this screen to here, from this corner to here. My wife's walking closet is twice bigger, you know? (laughs) In that little house, she had two bunk beds and a little space in between them, that if you are too big you cannot walk. You have to really be slim to get between those two bank beds, you know. And a little table in the front, handmade, three-legs table. Have you ever seen that type of stuff, you know? And two chairs, and there were the mother, the father, three children and the grandparents, too, living in that room. Crowded. Imagine if, if they start nodding, it's a whole choir there. <laughs> anyway, and so poor. at two o'clock roughly 200 kids came in her front yard. Her front yard was from here to the piano. They were like sardines in a can. If one moved, all moved because they had no room, you know, they were like <laughs> packed. And so she said, sit down, I have no chairs for everybody. They sat down and she said, give me the papers, otherwise you don't eat. So I said, what papers? And she says, just watch it. I said, okay. And then, after she got the papers, she says, okay, so the parents signed the papers. Yes, now you can eat. And she gave them rice. And they all ate rice. And after that, she said, okay, now this is the story that we learn today. Daniel in the lion's den. And she told them the story. And after that, she said, pay attention. Stop talking among yourselves. Because if you talk, you don't get the paper signed and you don't eat tomorrow. And they kept quiet. And then she taught them a song, like, Jesus loves me this, I know, or something, you know. And they said, you need to remember the song to get the paper signed, because if the paper is not signed, you don't eat tomorrow. And then when they finished, she prayed with them and she said, Go home, I need to make sure that you didn't talk, so how do I make sure that you paid attention? You tell the parents what I taught you. Daniel is the lion then, and you sing the song. And if you remember the story and the song, and the parents sign the paper that you did remember, then you can eat tomorrow. You follow me? <laughs> so I said to her, why do you make them do that? And she said, well, the parents would never come to church, but I used the, their kids to evangelize the parents. <laughs> <laughs> and they all came to church? And most of the parents, not all, but all the children and most of the parents. And I said to her, "That's amazing what you can do." I said, "Well, God bless me. I have a salary, 14 dollars a month." One, four, 14." And she said, "The neighbors don't have jobs. I have a job. I make 14 dollars a month. I cannot buy everything, but I can buy rice." <clears throat> and I said to myself, "What a ministry?" I said, let me give you some money for your ministry. And I don't have cash for me except a $50 bill. She looked at the money. She said, I've never seen so much money in my life. I cannot take it. And she gave you back. I said, come on, take it. Nope. God will provide. I said, come on, take it. Nope. So I went to the treasurer of the church. Give her the money. He says, that's too much. We cannot use it. I said, what are you talking about? Sure you can use. We can use millions and you cannot use 50 bucks. We have millions and we say, it's too little, you know. It's a matter of perspective. It's not a matter of how much you have. Hello? You heard me? Okay, then say amen. (laughs) Some people are never happy, whatever you do. You know, it's a matter of perspective. Some people, you keep giving them and they still don't have. And if you give them 10 millions, they still don't have. It's a matter of perspective. People are not happy because they have. People are happy because they Love the Lord and love the others. Because the blessing is not when you get blessed. The blessing is when you start blessing. Amen. God never gave us a blessing to be blessed. God blessed Abraham to be a blessing for all nations. And if you watch carefully in the Bible, it's consistent. And the Lennox says, Nobody prays a right seeking a blessing for self. And so she was happy because she was blessing. And so the treasurer said, okay, fifty bucks. I'm gonna give her for her ministry for food and for song books for the children ten bucks. I'm gonna give to Pathfinders for costumes ten bucks. I'm gonna he divided the fifty bucks and he did a bunch of stuff. And I thought, shame on us. Because we spend fifty bucks on nothing. And that's God's money, not only the ten percent. Everything. My father used to return 90% and keep ten. And my mom would say, honey, do we have enough? And my father said, who gave us the 90? Let's, let's try him again, like last month. And then he would get more money, and he would give 90 again, and he would just, don't keep it in the house. The police would come and take it in a communist country, you know. Just give it to the Lord. They cannot take it from the Lord, just give it all. My mom, can we keep 10%? Okay, keep 10 Sometimes you say, just give everything, you know. Isn't that something? Oh that taste and see how good the Lord is. Amen. People who don't know how to love, they are never happy. Mm. And so <clears throat> another example. Another example. I had a church member somewhere, and that church member, wonderful guy, was a multimillionaire. Good Christian, loving the Lord, loving the church, helping, being involved. Excellent. Missionary kid, excellent. And he said to me, you can reach the poor because they need food and they need help, but you cannot reach the rich because they don't need anything. And they are very private and they don't come to evangelism and they don't need God. And I said to him, you are so wrong. All people need God, poor and rich. All people have divorce, all people have sickness, cancer and stomach pain and back pain. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have back pain, do you? Only me? Okay. All people have stress, all people have keys that don't obey all people. You follow me? Rich and poor, they all need Christ. I said, it's your fault. He says, why? I said, because you don't know how to reach them. We just do the same cookies, how do you call cookie cutter for everybody, you know? The same programs in every church. It doesn't work. If you go to the doctor and you say, I have headache, he gives you uh, ibuprofen. And then you say, I broke my leg, and he gives you ibuprofen. And then you say, I have diarrhea, and he gives you ibuprofen. And then you say, you know, I have arthritis, and he gives you ibuprofen. And then, you, you follow me? Ibuprofen doesn't work for everything. That's not a doctor. I don't need to go to the doctor. I can take ibuprofen myself and don't pay the doctor. And so if you go to church and all churches in all cities put the same program do you think that is going to work? when every city and every church is different shouldn't you pray that God gives you the proper approach for that location or for that neighbor? Amen. how can you ask God to bless your plan instead of asking God to give you his plan? you follow me? We work hard and pray a lot, that God would bless our plans, and we never succeed. Stop asking God to bless your plan. Rather seek His plan.
1: Amen.
0: And so, I told him, I said, it's your fault. You don't pray enough for God's plan. He said, well, uh, I keep Sabbath? I said, yeah, Pharisees did too. Lazy people keep every day. <laughs> he said, but I, I go to church. I said, yeah, sure, what should you do? You are an Adventist. You don't feel good if you stay home.
1: <laughs>
0: Sometimes we do that, we go to church because you don't feel good to stay home. Well, others feel really good to stay home actually. Shame on them, but anyway. <laughs> and I said, uh, that's not about what Adventism is all about. We are a movement and we have a mission. And if we forget that, Ellen White says that we have no reason to exist. Hello. Our very reasons for existence as a church is to save the lost. And that's the great commission. Is not the great suggestion. It's a, it's a command. There is no room to turn around. Jesus commanded that we go in the whole world and save. You follow me? And make disciples. There is, you don't negotiate with your boss. Why would you negotiate with God? I don't even negotiate with my wife. If I do... I have headaches and eventually I do what she says. It's better to do it and you don't have headaches. <laughs> Just do it and you are happy. <laughs> Why negotiate with God? And so, I told him, pray for God's plan. Uh, he said, what well, I do? I said, no, you don't. Because if you did, you would work. People say, I pray. Oh, I'm going to pray for you. That's Bologna. When you pray, you invest in people, you care, you do something. Ellen White says, work according to your prayers. It's easy to say, I pray for you. Do something. You follow me? Oh, Lord, be with the poor. God asked you to be with the poor. Why would you ask God to be with the poor? <laughs> May the gospel be preached. God asks you to preach the gospel. The gospel doesn't preach itself, you are called to preach the gospel. You follow me? And so I told him, pray and act. He called me after about, I don't know, half an hour. He said, I did. I said, what did you do? I prayed. I said, really? When? Oh, just five minutes ago. I said, well, that was poetry. When you pray, it takes three months. If you really mean it. If your son has cancer, would you pray 15 seconds for him? Or you dedicate months and months and you pray and you fast. You follow me? the the Lord says love your neighbor just as you so if you pray for yourself months shouldn't you pray for your neighbor months if you love him just the way you love yourself huh? so I told him pray more how long I said until God gives you the plan he says how long one hour I said no until God gives you the plan and he said how long I said until God gives you the plan (laughs) what if God doesn't give me the plan then you don't stop praying period Elijah prayed until the rain came. We never get it. You follow me? So he said, oh, you want me to really be serious on prayer? <laughs> Shouldn't we? Yeah. We play games with prayer? He got it. He started to pray. Two months later, he called me. and says, Pastor, you are right. Since I started to pray for God's plan, God started to talk to me. We people forget that the Bible is real. We say it, but we don't leave it. In the Bible, Jesus says, My sheep hear my... Do you hear God's voice? Spiritualist people are proud that they talk with the spirits. Shouldn't we talk to our God? God talked to Abraham. God talked to Joseph. God talked to Daniel. God talked to uh, Paul in the New Testament. The Bible says, He who has ears to hear what the Spirit says. The Bible says... Your ears would hear the voice behind you saying, this is the path. you, You remember? God wants to talk to you. And he said to me, I started to sense God's voice. And when I obey, things go good. When I don't obey, it's a mess. I said, praise the Lord, you started to be a Christian. Until now, you're only an Adventist. Now you started to be both. And he says, yes, I started to experience what I've never experienced before and I was born an Adventist. How can you be born an Adventist? I don't know, but anyway. And so, we are not Catholics. You cannot be born an Adventist. You have to become one. Okay? And so, he said to me, God inspired me what to do with my millionaire's neighbors. I said, okay. He he says, you know, my wife cooks amazing Greek food. I said, I don't know before you invite me. (laughs) (laughs) He invited me. Oh, brother, I'm ashamed to say I ate until I could not get up. (laughs) I ate and ate and ate and I could not stop and I just gave up shame and I just kept eating. (laughs) And I mean, I said, you know, I got to pray that you invite me again. (laughs) And he said to me, Pastor, do you see this Greek food, how good it is? I said, it is amazing. Even now I have water in my mouth. (laughs) And uh, he says, I'm gonna invite my millionaire neighbors because I know Americans. They don't come to church, but they worship food. <laughs> they don't eat to live, they live to eat. I'm gonna invite them to eat together. I said, Praise the Lord. Now we talk. And so he sees one of his millionaire neighbors in a Sunday morning, says, Good morning, good morning, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good. That's a lie. I met somebody in my in my former church in the park, I said, Happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath, how are you doing? Great. And then he comes to me and says, My wife left me. How can you say I'm doing great? He's just, you know, good morning, good morning, how are you, how are you? Good, good, bye, bye. No, none of it is real. And so he says to a neighbor, Good morning, good morning, how are you doing? Good, good, good. And he says, Hey, it's my wife's and myself anniversary. We have 25 years of marriage and we have amazing food. Would you come to eat? Oh, no, I am busy, I'm sorry. Hey, we have Greek food. Oh, I'm busy. Let me explain. God inspired him to describe the food. We have stuffed cabbage rolls. We have kalamata cheese. I know it's not healthy, but it's good. We have, I mean, kalamata olives. We have feta cheese. We have uh, pistachio ice cream. We have baklava. And the neighbor opened his mouth. And he says, I'm coming. (laughs) The neighbor came and my church member says, in our house, nobody eats without prayer. He says, I don't believe in God. That's okay, close your eyes, I pray. <laughs> the rule of the house. You know, my house, that's the rule. And Then he says, I would like to pray for you. What do you want me to pray for? He says, well, I don't believe in prayer, but if you pray, you know, my kids don't talk to me, and my wife doesn't stay with me. We are separate in the same house, but separated. So my church member prayed for the husband and wife, and pray for the children, and pray for the food, and then they ate Greek food. After they ate Greek food, he says, let's play a game. And the neighbor says, what? Let's play a game. How many of you heard of the game called Settlers of Catan? It's amazing, crazy good. And clean, I mean, you can play forever. And he says, I have a new game. Oh, I don't have time. Come on, when is the last time you have played? Oh, in high school. You see? That's the reason you are so stressed. Let's play a game. (laughs) Okay. They played the game. After they played the game, he went home whistling. He gets home and the kids look to him and say, say, Dad, you are smiling. What's wrong with you? If the kids say, you are smiling, what's wrong with you? There is something wrong with you. (laughs) That means that you didn't smile before. And he says, well, I went to the neighbor, we ate Greek food and I ate baklava and I ate stuffed cabbage rolls and I ate and we played games and the kids say, are you sick? (laughs) Why? You play games? Yes, and it was fun. We've never seen you in the last whatever years smiling. You come home and you are on the computer working. You never smile. What's wrong with you? You play games? Yeah, and it was fun. I want to go back. Can we we come? Can we come? The wife comes. Honey, what did you do to the kids? They talk about you. They are all excited. And they talk to you and they don't talk to me. What have you done to them? I told them that I play games. And the wife says, are you okay? (laughs) Yes, why? You play games? Yes. And you know what? It's first time in so many years when I have no stress. She says, can I come? He calls my church member. Can we do it again? Absolutely. Next Sunday they come again. Wife and children. And they eat and they pray and they play. He calls me. Should I tell them about Sabbath? I said, God forbid. No. (laughs) Should I tell them about some doctrines? I said, no. When do I tell them? Let them ask. And when they ask, let them beg. (laughs) Yeah, but then you say, you ask for it. You follow me? And after they beg, give them a little at a time and then say, enough for today. Let them come for more. Because if you unload more than they can handle, they will never come back. You don't pour concrete in a form that is too small. You break it. You need to make the proper size form. You follow me? The same with doctors. You don't pour more than people can. Jesus says, I have more things, but you are unable to handle. So give them the light gradually. Rather build friendship first. And so they started to ask questions. He said, No, let's not talk. Why don't you eat pork? Because I don't want to talk about it. Why? Why? Oh, come on, tell us. Nope. Oh, come on, please tell us. Nope. Oh, come on. Okay, you ask for it. You know. <laughs> that millionaire neighbor goes to play golf with the other neighbor. I says, Hey, Your wife talks to you again, your kids talk to you and you are happy, smiling. What happened? Well, I went to this so-and-so guy and we ate and we go every Sunday and we eat and play games together. He says, you do what? (laughs) He says, come and see. The next neighbor comes, six months later, 11 millionaire families were eating, praying and playing together and then studying together. They start you DVDs on creation and evolution and then DVDs on health and then DVDs on parenting and then DVDs on prayer and then DVDs on prophecies. Mm-hmm. Two years later I baptize 46 millionaires. Mm-hmm. Isn't that nice to have a millionaires church? <laughs> they give you a ride the Porsche. <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> I never get to, to, to go in those cars. That's the best thing, you know. They give you a ride in Maserati. (sighs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. Not about Maserati, amen, about
1: baptisms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so, it's not just you go to church and you go home. You have to leave your religion. You have to, in all areas of your life, you cannot just. Talk about light. You need to live in a way that the light lives in you. Do you follow me? Christ needs to live in you, to live in you. Unless Christ lives in you, you have no power. You have only the forms and the theory, but no power. That's the reason we have no power in the churches. You need to pray, you need to go to church, you need to be involved in the church, you need to believe and to keep the doctrines, no question. But you also need to have a garden, you need to visit the sick, you need to talk to your neighbors and help them, you need to play a game with them, tomato fight is perfect. (laughs) You need to live in a way that you build friendship before you teach doctors, before you invite them to evangelism, you build friendship and trust. And you show that you deeply care. And when you build friendship and people know that you care, then, After you show Christ, you can talk about Christ. You cannot give what you don't have. You need to have Christ live in you in order to have others experience Christ. You follow me? And so, for instance, talking about caring for people, in my very first district, 28 years ago, man, it's eight o'clock and we didn't start the sermon. (laughs) In my very first district, 28 years ago, I had a big head. I would look in the mirror and my head was as big as the room. I said, you know, I'm very educated, construction engineer, law school. I had a big business, a big factory. We made a lot of money. We made roughly about 40,000, 50,000 a day, every day. We had money. And I said, we... I knew the prime minister of the country, I knew the chief of police, I knew the mayor. We were eating together, we were friends. I could drive any speed through the town, the police would salute me, nobody stopped me because I knew I had connections. And so, I was somebody. And they called me to ministry and they said, we know you build churches, you bring Bibles, you do this and that. Uh, Would you accept to be a pastor? And they said, how much money do you make? And I said about 40-50 thousand a day. And they said, we are going to give you $64 a month. That was a, I, I laughed. I said, is that a joke? <laughs> and they said, no, it's real. Pastors in that time made $64 a month. My mom's retirement was $28 a month. And we used to have a big house, big garden, you know, on expensive cars and fly and have, you know, whatever. Travel all over and... And so I said, I talked to my wife, we prayed, and we said, you know, if God calls, my father had a saying, regardless how much money you have, you have only one stomach. You follow me? And he said, God will always fill that stomach. So whatever is over, you don't use, let somebody else use it. You understand? So my wife and I talked and we said, you know, we have only one stomach. Let's go into ministry and trust that the Lord will provide. Abraham left everything, didn't he? Joseph was put in prison. Daniel was take, taken a slave in Babylon. Do you think that was easy? Watch your family being killed and you are taken away. And you walk three months after they have destroyed his... You know, they made him an eunuch. And then he had to walk three months to the sun the desert and get to Babylon? By the way, why would God allow that in Joseph's life? Why would God allow Moses to to be 40 years in the wilderness and nobody? Why would God allow Daniel to be a slave in Babylon? Why would God allow... You follow me? Why? Because God cannot use you before he teaches you to depend on him. Not on your wisdom and your plans. To depend on faith and walking with him and depending on him in order for God to prepare heaven for you he needs first to prepare you for heaven God cannot give you power before you learn to depend on him and to be selfless if you are who you are and he gives you power you are going to use it in a wrong way you follow me? We go to prayer and we think we are good Adventists because we keep Sabbath. And we ask God to give me this and give me that and give me this and give me that. And help my school and my family and my health and my car and my house and my job. You follow me? Give me, bless me, give me, give me, give me. And we didn't learn yet to go in prayer. And be so concerned with God's work and God's honour and the saving of the souls. To the point that we forget our cancer or our foreclosure or our divorce. To totally forget your problem. Not that you don't have problems, but to say, Lord, your work is so important that it's more important than my job or my health or my family or my life. So I'm going to focus on you and forget self. You shall increase and I shall decrease. You follow me? Yeah. Then God can bless you. When you serve him, he will take care of you. He says, seek first, and then he promised the other things will be provided. And we need to trust that because God doesn't lie. And then says that those who doubt God's promise make him a liar. And that's a cult, actually. And so <clears throat> as I give that kind of introduction to the story, I was in my first district, and I had a big head. I'm somebody. I have education. I have money. Well, they call me to be a pastor. I talk to my wife, We accept it in faith, but nevertheless, I do it for God. You follow me, people, that I do it. I do it for God. You understand? I sacrifice. And I went to my first district. And I had a Giorgio Armani suit. And Calvin Klein shoes. And they gave me, I expected them, they gave me the biggest church, the biggest district in the biggest town. I was somebody. And they gave me the craziest, smallest, most difficult, challenging church in the mountain where people didn't even know how to talk Romanian, and they were Romanians. <laughs> I mean, it was like they were barking when they were talking, you know. And, and there was not even roads to that place. The roads were muddy. And there was an old train, not like the normal electric train. It was an old, with smoke train, like in movies. And I got in that train, and it was smoke. It's like I would go to a... Uh, I mean, it was crazy. I was, my clothes were smelling smoke, you know? And I got off the train, and I looked, and there was no place to put my shoe. And I put my shoe in the mud, and my foot went so deep, and when I pulled it up, the shoe stayed. <laughs> and I got so angry, and I said some, a few bad words. And my wife says, honey, you are a pastor now. <laughs> Calm down. People can hear you. I don't care. I am trained and they send me to this corner of the world. Uneducated people. I don't care. And my wife says, you should not be a pastor. Why not? You don't deserve it. Why not? And my wife says, you need to learn to love those people as you love self. Uh, I didn't like my wife anymore. (laughs) I said, you love them. God loves them and that's enough. I don't need to. <laughs> and she says, honey, I'm sure God sent you here, not for them, but for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. And so, I got through the mud to the church. And they, were, they didn't even know the meaning of taking a shower. Imagine the smell in a summer with no AC. I don't want to describe it, but I think you already got the message. <laughs> and so, two of them were crazy, physically, not mentally, literally crazy. And they were uh, sick, and they would grab your hand and smile and never let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Say, let me go. <laughs> Say, come on, I got to go. <laughs> no, Pastor, stay. <laughs> Oh, brother, every time I would see them, I would go around far away so they don't grab my hands. (laughs) So I told them, I said, brothers, sisters, you need to work. You need to serve the Lord. Not only the pastor. You cannot have an army where only the general fights the war. The whole army. The general is there to train you, but not to fight the war. You cannot have a choir with only the choir director singing. You all need to sing. God called you to work in Ephesians says that God gave you gifts. You cannot bury them. you got to work. We'll do evangelism and you all get involved. If not, look for a pastor. I was crazy. so It's good to be crazy because you can get away with things, you know. And so I was crazy. I told him, whatever, if you don't like, look for a pastor. I said, okay, pastor, we work. Tell us what to do. So I gave them jobs. You are the greeters, you parking, no cars, but anyway. You do this, you do that. Well, 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 the two nuts came to me. <laughs> what do we do? Oh, brother. How can I get rid of them? They are going to embarrass me and the church. They are good for nothing. So I said, Aha, uh-huh, I'm smart, I got something. You pray. And they say, ah, uh, okay, pastor. I said, now leave me alone. Okay, pastor, leave me alone. Okay, pastor, leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> they left. They go home and they talk, the two of them. And their dad is watching them. We pray, we pray, we pray, we, like for two hours. <laughs> and then they say, but what? why do we pray? Because we have evangelism. What is evangelism for? And the father says, for people from the city. Ah, we pray for people from the city. How do they know that we pray? They don't. That means that the pastor meant that we go to them and pray for them. So, guess what? In a small town, 16,000 households, they went to the first house. They knocked in the door. The pastor said that we should pray for you. <laughs> the guy looks at them, okay. What do you want us to pray for? He says, well, I am broke. I used to have cows. The cows died. I have no money to buy the cows. I have only one cow and the cow is sick. Lord, heal the cow. Bye. <laughs> That's the shortest prayer ever. No introduction, no conclusion. Just, Lord, heal the cow. Next door. Next house. The pastor said we should pray. Well, my wife left me. Bring her back. Bye. <laughs> A month later, they come to me. Pastor, we prayed. I said, what do you mean? You told us to pray. I said, yes, I did. We prayed. I said, what do you mean? And the father says, they went to every single house in the city. 16,000 homes. From morning through night. 14 hours a day. They knocked in every door and they finished. (laughs) Hello? That's commitment. Crazy people know how to sacrifice. Normal people are selfish. Uh huh, you heard me. You don't even smile now, huh? (laughs) And they said, Pastor, what should we do next? I said, Well, there was peace in the church for a month. You need to pray more? (laughs) Guess what they did? They went to the first house again, knocking the door. And the guy says, Okay, you again? The pastor said that we should pray again. He says, You know, my cow got well. Lord, thank you for the cow. Bye. A month later, they came back. Pastor, we prayed. What do you mean? We prayed. What do you mean? For the whole city. And the father said, yep, second time they knocked in every door. What should we do next? I said, well, go back and pray. Pray without ceasing and leave me alone. (laughs) They went back to the first house. And the guy hugged them. He knew to love them, I didn't. And I was their pastor. And the guy said, not my pastor, not my friends, not my family, nobody ever in my life has prayed so much for me. You must be Christ's people. You must be God's real church because you care. People don't care for doctrines. They care for those who care. Uh Uh-huh. They said, You must really have God's presence in your church because you care. I said, I want to join your church. And they said, We don't eat (laughs) pork. He says, I don't care what you eat, I eat whatever you eat. Because people are not looking for what you eat or doctrines. People are looking for a real God. And if they don't see the real God in the church, they don't care for the doctrines or for the programs. Oh, we put a good program. They can look at the TV and they watch a good program. Hollywood gives them really good programs. People are looking for God. And they went to the second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, 16,000 homes again. When we had evangelism, they brought 40, I don't remember, 44 people to church and the whole church brought to people aha uh-huh. you cannot just do doctrines you cannot just do church you got to do it all you got to care you got to pray you got to work you got to visit you got to help you got to feed you got to be Christ on earth that's the reason we are the body of Christ because we are Christ on earth he is the head you got to ask the head what should you do next And then the body doesn't argue with the head. I've never seen a body arguing with the head. You follow me? You ask the head what to do and you do it. Then Christ can work through us. Otherwise, we are just good Adventists that go to church and we have a nice club. We meet every Sabbath, but nothing happens. If you really want something happening, You got to live a real Christian life that integrates Christ's life in everything you do. You don't just pray in the morning and evening, you pray in everything. You follow me? Prayer is not part of the work, prayer is the work. Everything should be immersed in prayer. Agriculture, construction, work, church, you follow me? You, you all, All the time you care for people, all the time... You look for opportunities to help and to love and to sacrifice self. You give up self. Christians don't have self. Elena says self is in need to be crucified. She says the greatest enemy is self. When you have an argument with your spouse, it's not the spouse's fault. It's you. Because if you had Christ in you, you would love, you would not fight. Even if you are right, you would know how to love and how to solve the problem. There is no war unless there are two parts. One cannot fight alone unless he is crazy. It takes two to have a war. If you have a war with somebody, it's your fault. Don't blame anybody around. Most of the people blame others for their own problems. Just for the fact that you criticize, judge and blame others, it tells me that you are not spiritual. Because if you were, you would love your enemy. Right or wrong? Right. Right. That's not easy because we rather give money and keep Sabbath than to die to self. And to love your enemy, it means that you need to die to self. Huh? Our time for sermon is gone and we didn't manage to start. We we didn't even touch the title. It was only the introduction but we'll start the the sermon tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to give you one more story to learn about loving your enemies. In one of my districts, you may have heard the story. I arrived there, 17 pastors moved within 21 years, all of them. Can you even grasp it? 17 pastors all together, 21 years? They came and left, came and left, six months, one year, six months, one year, one year and a half. None of them touched two years. When I got there, a tall, literally tall lady, I mean tall, I was like this besides her. It's like, it was like Goliath <laughs> with her back like this, 92 years old, sharp like a fox came to me, she put her finger literally in my nose. (laughs) Young man, I am God here. That's what she said. She said that she is God. And she says, you do what I say, you'll do well and stay here. You don't do what I say, I move you. Well, there is a chapter in Revelation, in chapter 13, that gives a list of people who don't make it to heaven. Top of the list is people who are afraid. Have you read Revelation 13? Top of the list is people who are afraid. My father taught me during communism that if you have a God that is real, you have no fear. When you are afraid, your God is only a theory. It's not real. He said, my God is powerful. And if God wants to save me, like the three young men, he will save me. And if not, I joyfully die. But I am not afraid and I don't compromise. And police would come to search us for Bibles and my father would keep straight. During, Other people would, would shake and cry, please. My father would stand straight and said, oh, you know, I have a God. And he, if he wants to protect me, he can do it. He is in control. He is aware of things. Nothing happens without him knowing. Not even hair, for those that still have hair, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, my father taught me not to be afraid. So this lady came and put her finger in my nose, i move you! I got my shoulders back, I got straight, I took her finger off, I said, no, this is no chest, you don't move me. If God wants me to move, I happily move, if not, you move. <laughs> she said, nobody talk to me that way! I said, well, it means it's time for somebody to talk to you that way. <laughs> she said, I am going to move you! I said, good luck, God bless you, I will pray for you. I don't need your prayers. You see, that's the reason I will pray for you. Oh, she hated me from the very first minute. We had board meeting. She was the alpha cow. People who know about cows, they know what is. Alpha cow is the cow that all cows follow. Alpha cow goes left, the whole group of them go left. You follow me? We had board meeting and we said, should we do that? And they all, jellyfish, looked to her. And she did that. And they voted yes. And she did that and they voted no. And I said, to them, don't you have a brain? Don't you have a conscience? Well, she pays the bills. I said, it's not her church. It's God's church. Yeah, but God doesn't pay the bills. I said, no, 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 no. God doesn't pay the bills and she should not pay the bills. I said, you should pay the bills. Well, we are poor. As far as I remember in my Bible, the widow gave all she had. You really love God, give all you have. If not, you love him with reserves. Because whatever comes between you and God, that's your God. Uh Uh-huh. That's what you worship. So I said, give all you have so you don't need her. Uh, Pastor, we do need her. I well, then you don't love God. You don't need to come to church, close the church, go home, you, do, you are not Adventists. They said, Pastor, you are different. I said, yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> I have said it so they don't have to say it, you know. Well, I told them, next board, we don't vote like this. We vote secret ballot. And I said to her, I want you all to turn your back. So they could not see her face. She said, I don't want to. I said, I'm the pastor. I told you to turn your back. I don't want to. I said, get out. She said, this is my church. I purchased the church. I said, get out. You are young and stupid. You know nothing. And she looked to them. You don't obey this guy. You are all stupid if you obey him. I said, how could you call them like that? They are your brothers or sisters. Keep quiet. This is my church. I said, get out. I don't want to. I said, okay. I took my cell phone. Call 911. Yes. Yes, I did. I said, I have somebody disturbed my meetings. I'm the pastor. She said, are you kidding? I said, no, I'm leaving. I said, hold on a second. I said, are you leaving? Yes. No need to come, thank you. She says, you are crazy. I said, I told you. <laughs> I was serious. She left. And then she came back, opened the door, and she says, I'm going to terminate you. I said, I didn't know that you are the terminator. <laughs> stop joking. I said, get out, close the door, come back when you calm down and learn to respect people. You you are not welcome in my church unless you have Christ's spirit. We don't have to agree, but we got to love and respect each other. You follow me? I told her, we love each other, we respect each other, we vote, we follow the vote. Even if it goes against me, I'll follow the vote. You too no, I own the church. I said, right now, you don't own anything. In the paper, the church belongs to the conference. Get out. Calm back when you calm down. She kept her head through the door and she says, oh, you don't know what's going to happen to you. I said, go ahead, be my guest. She said, watch it. She took the cell phone and she called the conference president. Brother so-and-so, how much do you owe for the bedrooms, for the dorms, for the academy? And he says, $2.4 million. She says, I'm going to write you a check of $2.4 million if you move this pastor. I felt the best in my life. (laughs) Nobody ever put so much value on me before. (laughs) $2.4 million for me? Ah! That was really good. Praise the Lord for good leaders. The president said, I'm so sorry, but you know what? We just moved him there. We are not going to move him out. He has done nothing wrong. Well, he doesn't deserve it. Well, you need to learn to respect your pastors. I'm not going to give you the money. God bless you. Oh, she got angry with the conference. And then she called every church member, every family. And she said, you, you should not listen to this pastor. We should write letters against him. And she wrote letters to the conference, to the union, to the division. She didn't write to the GC, but anyway people started to come and visit me, and people started to say, Should we be on your group or her group? What should I say? In the church should be no groups. Jesus said that if we are one, then the people will know that we are God's (coughs) people. Division comes from (coughs) Satan. In my churches, I never tolerated gossip, criticism and division. I told them, you know, if you do a mistake, you are forgiven. If you criticize or gossip, you are out. And you, you are out, not only if you do it, but also if you listen. Yeah. People never feel comfortable to go in a judgmental church. They only go in a loving church. So I said, you know what? In this church, there is no criticism, there is no gossip, there is no groups. In this church, we are here to give Bible studies, to visit the sick, to help the poor, to preach the gospel. You follow me? Yeah. But, but she fights against you. I said, no, she cannot fight against me. To have war, you need to have two parts. She's alone. I'm not fighting back. So there there is no war because she doesn't have anybody to fight with. (coughs) Well, well, well. She made my life miserable. She haunted me. Every sermon, she would call the conference. I said one time, you should keep Sabbath. But if you come to church, keep Sabbath. However, you don't pray at home. You don't have a connection with God. It doesn't help you to keep Sabbath. She called the conference and said, he said that we should not keep Sabbath. I didn't say that. But anyway, she hunted me. My wife and I started to fight. How? We prayed. For three months, we prayed two hours every morning and my wife fasted every Wednesday. You know me, I don't fast. I mean, I do fast four hours at a time. That's it. (laughs) I cannot fast more than four hours. I need to eat. But after three months, she fell on ice and she broke her shoulder, her arm, and her hip. We didn't pray for that. But anyway. And she entered in hospital, and in a week she died. I didn't pray for that either. Now that's not the end of the story. Now you listen to the good part. My wife said to me, honey, you go and visit her. I said, she's not worth. My wife said, what? Jesus died for her, you go and visit her. I said, okay. And my wife said, don't go empty-handed, buy flowers. I said, I'm not going to spend my money for her. She's my enemy. My most vicious enemy. She makes my love miserable. She wants to fire. She wants to move me. She criticizes me. She calls me names. I cannot stand her. I said, buy flowers. I said, okay. (laughs) I went to Aldi, the cheapest possible store. I purchased the cheapest possible flowers, $249. $249. Went to hospital, gave her the flowers. She took them with the good hand, the left hand, and she hit me in the head and broke the flowers on my head. And she said, get out, I hate you. I said in my mind, I don't like you either. And I left. I got home, my wife says, did you pray with her? I said, no, why? She asked me to leave and she hit me with the flowers. My wife said, go back. I said, no, you go back. She says, no, you are the pastor. I said, honey, she hates me. My I said, God sent you here for her. If you love those who love you, you are just like the pagans. You need to love those who hate you. That's what the Bible says. Then you are a Christian, then you are an Adventist, then you are a pastor. God sent you here for her. Go back and save her. I said, honey, you go back and save her. And my wife looks to me and says, God didn't send you here for her. God put her here for you. Mm -hmm. You cannot even be a pastor if you don't learn to love her. Uh, Again, I didn't like my wife. And my wife said to me, you obviously need to pray that God would pour his love into your heart because you don't know how to love. And my wife said, we have visitors, I cannot deal with that. Go in the backyard, in the garden and pray. She knows that, by the way, regardless how much stress I have, I go in the garden as soon as I am between tomatoes, for some reason, stress goes away like that. And I start whistling and I am happy again. She says, go in the garden, that's where you feel happy, pray there until God gives you love and then go back to hospital. I went in the garden, and I started to pray. I could not even say her name. I hated her so much. I said, God, help that evil lady. That's what I said. And God impressed me to say her name. So I kind of said, Lord, help, and I said the name. And I felt impressed to ask forgiveness. I said, Lord, forgive me for not loving her. And give me love. And help me repent. And change me so I can save those who hate me and be like Jesus. And that, after that I went in the house. It was a difficult two hours prayer because it was dying to self. And I went back in the house and my wife says, okay, I prepared cookies for her. I said, you didn't prepare cookies for me. She says, take them and go. Don't come back before you save her. I went to hospital, knocked in the door, kept the cookies behind so she would not throw them at my head. <laughs> and I said, hey, I brought cookies. I don't need your cookies. I hate you. And then she said, they smell nice. What type of cookies are they? I said, Romanian, Romanian, the best cookies. She says, can I taste one? I said, "There for you? She tasted all of them.
1: <laughs>
0: she didn't save one for me. And he says, what are you doing here? Don't you know that I hate you? And I said, you know, I came here to confess and to ask forgiveness. He said, you? I said, me. What have you done? I said, well, I hated you. (laughs) He said, it's normal. I hate you too. (laughs) I said, no, it's not normal. We are Christians. We got to love our enemies. How could we go to heaven when we don't know to love one another? How can we be like Jesus when we don't know to love one another? Even those who bother you. I said, I need to ask forgiveness. I'm so sorry. And I want to pray for you. And she says, you are the first pastor that doesn't fight me. I said, well, I really, I was tempted to. But my wife doesn't allow me. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, you know, very nice that you want to pray for me. But don't bother because the Holy Spirit left me long ago. I'm lost. I said, how could you say that? You are the head elder. How could you say that? She said, well, 72 years ago, I sinned. I said, lady, you must be a saint. I sin every day. You sinned only 72 years ago? She said, no, 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 it was a big sin. I said, lady, all sins are big. The problem is that we feel the need to repent from big sins, but we never repent from small sins. You follow me? That's the reason Jesus says that prostitutes can go to heaven and Pharisees and saints don't. Because they don't feel the need to repent for gossip. They don't feel the need to repent that they don't pray enough. Only people who do something really bad feel the need to repent. And those who do small things and don't repent, they are lost. There is not such a small sin. Small sins have crucified Jesus too. In heaven there is no sin period, regardless how small. You follow me? So I said, lady, there is no small sin. He said, well, I did sin a big sin. I said, have you asked forgiveness? Every day of my life. I said, lady, you don't have a sin problem. You have a faith problem. Because my Bible says, if you confess, God is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. And God doesn't lie. How do you know that you are forgiven? I said, well, when you are forgiven, you feel some type of electricity, and you, oh, I am forgiven. She says, are you kidding? I said, yes! How do you want to know? You don't smell forgiveness. It's, it's burnt. I smell it. You don't smell forgiveness. You don't see. You don't touch. You don't feel. It's not a feeling. Oh, I have peace. That means that God is here. Elena, I says, you should not measure God's love and answers to prayer based on your feelings. God's love doesn't change. It's not based on your chemistry, your moods. You feel good today, that means God answered. You feel bad today, that means God didn't answer. There is no connection between your feelings and God. She says, faith should be based on God's word. You take his word, you don't need to feel or understand. How can you understand God? I said, lady... Forgiveness. You don't feel, you don't deserve, you don't pay. You just believe. How do you believe? I said, simple. Elena says, it's a mind decision. She says, you say, I believe, and you move on. You, just be- you choose to believe. You exercise faith. She says, Elena says, don't allow yourself to talk or to think doubt. Because it's going to influence you. She says, talk faith, pray faith, think faith. Nurture faith, water faith, so it would grow. You follow me? And so I said, lady, you have a faith problem. My son has more faith than you? She says, what do you mean? My son, if I told him, when he was three, I told him, I'm going to buy you a motorcycle, a toy. He says, when? I said, tomorrow. He started, he says, can it be blue? I said, yes, it is blue. Does it have an engine? No, it has pedals. When do you buy it? Tomorrow, five o'clock. He started to scream. He, he, he stormed through the door. He called the whole neighborhood, all kids, and he told them, I have a bike. It is so big, it has three wheels, it has pedals, it is blue. And they said, Can we see it? It comes tomorrow, five o'clock. <laughs> he was already rejoicing because he knew me. And tomorrow he had the bike. Next day he had the bike. If you know God, when He says, I will forgive you, you don't need to feel it. You rejoice. Because you are forgiven. Because God doesn't lie. And so you rejoice. And then I says in great controversy that you should believe and rejoice. And so Abraham believed and it was considered to him as righteousness. When you believe, God takes your dirty coat, put it on Jesus, and takes Jesus' perfect, divine righteousness, put it on you. It's like you never did it. Isn't that amazing? You should rejoice. You should jump up and down and scream and eat. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I told lady, you don't need to feel, you don't need to, you just believe. She says, So simple? I said, Yes, salvation is simple. We are complicated. We make it, you know, sophisticated. Children can understand salvation. You know? And so I said to her. Say after me, repeat after me, word by word. She says, what do you mean? I Just just say after me, word by word. I said, close your eyes. Let's pray together. And she closed her eyes. I said, Father in heaven. And she said, Father in heaven. I've sinned. And she said, I've sinned. And I confess my sin. And I believe you forgave me. And she kept quiet. I said, say it. Uh, Say it. Okay. And I believe you forgave me. Thank you, Lord. Amen. She said, amen. I said, that's it. She says, I'm forgiven. Yes, you are forgiven. How do you know? I said, the Bible says so. She says, and I have a chance to be saved. Yes. I said, you know, you go to Jesus, there is no way in the world to be lost. You get to heaven and you say, how in the world I got here? And then he says, through my grace. And she says, sit here. I didn't sit there because she could hit me in the head. I sat at at her feet. She says, come closer. I got kind of halfway. Come closer. Okay. I got really close. Uh, She got like this and I ducked a little. She said, come close. Okay. And she put her head on me and she started to cry. And she says, my parents died in a car accident when I was two. Everybody wanted my inheritance, my millions. But nobody ever loved me. Everybody wants only money. My husband left with a different girl. Uh, he took my path to my money. The church wants money. Nobody ever cared for me. People hate me. And she says, you are the first one to love me. I said, in my mind, you should talk to my wife about that. But <laughs> <laughs> And then she says, Pastor, I love you. Can you imagine that? I was blessed, but you experience that only when you allow self to be crucified, as long as self is big, there is no mission, ministry, peace, joy, uh-uh. growth, doesn't happen, and she took the telephone, and she started to call church members, hey folks, if you don't listen to this pastor, you'll never see money from me again, <laughs> I said leave them alone, leave them alone, hang up the phone, why? Leave them alone. He said, okay. I do what you say now. You're my pastor. She died a few days later. Christianity is not that we know the theory. Christianity is not that we go to church. We should go to church. Don't get me wrong. Christianity is not that we read the Bible three chapters a day. We should read the Bible. It's not that we say the prayer. We should pray. Christianity is when we plead with the Lord that he moves in our life from morning through night and 24-7 to the point that we no longer live but Christ lives in us. To the point that we die daily. You follow me? And we are so afraid to die. What's going to happen? Try it! If you die, I'll preach at your funeral. That's okay but you'll not die, you'll finally start living. Abraham, only when he sacrificed his son, he received his son and the blessing. You follow me? Jesus says that whatever you want to save, you'll lose. And only what you sacrifice and lose, that's what you save. Jesus says, whoever doesn't give up, mother, father, mother-in-law, that's the easy one, (laughs) son, daughter, job, and self is not worthy To be my disciple We cannot be disciples Unless we give up everything Including self Are you willing to give up everything? The call is not to blessings The call is to sacrifice If somebody told you that you come to church you will be blessed That was not real God never called you to bless you God called you that you sacrifice self and you bless others. And only when you bless others, you experience the real blessing. That's what the Bible means when it talks about blessings. Not, oh, I get health, I get money, uh uh-uh. When the Bible talks about blessings, the real blessing is to save the lost. The real treasure that you take to heaven is nothing but the precious souls that you save. You follow me? That's our mission everything is going to burn very soon we are not going to take it to heaven Jesus is coming soon shouldn't we be all about loving God and loving our neighbor that's the commandments that's what Jesus says if you really love God you will have no trouble to obey and if you really love your neighbor you will have no trouble to to, you, you follow me? to follow the Second part of the commandments: The call is the call to sacrifice. What if every church member made a decision to sacrifice self on a daily basis? What if each church member said in the morning, Lord, I give up self. Do whatever you want to me, with me, through me today. If I need to lose my business, let it be that way. If I need to go in prison, let me go to prison. If I need to die, let me die. Do whatever it takes. To honor your name and save my my neighbors, my family, my... You follow me? My enemies. Do whatever it takes. I give you permission. That would make God so proud. That would make God so happy. Then things would happen. Look carefully in the Bible. Miracles that Jesus performed. He didn't perform just to help them. Jesus didn't resurrect Lazarus. So he would live another two, two, three miserable years and die again. He says, do this so they may believe. His point was that he didn't come to give us this life. He came us to give us eternal life. His point was that the others would believe and have a chance to be saved. They brought the paralyzed guy. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And they say, who is this? Blasphemy. And Jesus says, for you to believe that the Son of Man has the power to save, to forgive. I say, take your bed. What was the whole point? To heal him or to save him and the others to have a chance to believe and be saved? Do you follow me? You look carefully in all the miracles. God's goal is that we do whatever it takes to help the others know God and be saved. That's our mission. What if all church members would make a goal for this year? to become Jesus on earth. Can you believe, can you imagine, what our churches would become? Beacons of light. Magnet. You follow me? You don't need to do evangelism, because you live evangelism. I am not saying that we should not do evangelism, don't get me wrong, I believe in evangelism. But evangelism, without living evangelism, will never work. You need to live it before you do it. You follow me? Okay. I need to stop. I'm hungry. It's late. We need to sleep. I slept last night only three hours. Folks, we'll do the sermon tomorrow. No worries. Amen. <laughs> Let's. God is calling you and me. Let's not be only listeners. Make a decision. If you don't make a decision, why are you here? Go home. Hello? If you don't make a decision, why do you go to church? If you procrastinate, what are you doing in the church? Just to misrepresent Jesus? Make a decision. Say, Lord, I want it, but I cannot do it in my power. I give you permission to work in me. It's going to hurt. But nothing happens by chance. All trials, all things, all that you would allow. All work together to prepare you for the mission that God has for you. So when you hit the wall Stop complaining And stop asking for help It is God Growing you and purifying you And changing you You follow me? Because all things work together All, all You know how many things work together? What means all? All. How many? Have you checked the Greek word in the Bible? All? I checked it in in Greek You know how it's translated? All (laughs) absolutely all nothing happens by chance if God allowed it you need it stop complaining say Lord I hate trials but you allowed it please grow me into Christ's character please use me I cannot do it alone please use me today Amen? amen let's pray together Father we don't deserve it, we are not able, we don't even understand, but you made a donkey tuck, sure you can change us, you have done so many miracles and you have never changed, you are the same, and you are waiting, it's not us asking you to change us, you are waiting for us. You want to change us. Please, work in every single one. All people that are here, all people that listen to this message, work with your spirit, that we may become like Christ. Come into our hearts, come into our lives, come into our families, come into our churches, into our farms, into our workplaces. And may we represent Jesus, that people may see Jesus through us. Make us blessings. Use us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' precious, powerful name, and we believe that you are answering and you are working on it. So in faith, based on you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord, we love you, and we owe you everything. We pray this in your precious name, and thank you, Lord. Amen. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse,